Welcome to Stoked with Megan McPhail, the podcast that helps you get super effing jazzed about your work, life, and bank account. I'm your host, Megan McPhail, a former burnt out emergency veterinarian that quit my hard-earned career to become a seven-figure business coach, entrepreneur, and elopement photographer. Now I'm living a life I absolutely love, full of travel, adventure, and financial abundance, and I am hell-bent on inspiring others to do the same. Are you ready to say goodbye to the 9-to-5 grind and start going after some big, bold dreams? Then let's dive into this week's episode. Hey, hey, it's your host, Megan McPhail. And your co-host, Todd Reedy. And today we're going to talk about market saturation and what that is and why it's not real. (laughs) And this is going to be a great episode for anybody thinking about going into business or who already owns a business, and anybody who is using this as an excuse for why their business isn't doing well, because it's just not true. So what is market saturation, right? Market saturation is basically this idea that there's too many players or people in an industry for you to be able to make money, profit, and do well in business is essentially what it means. And I don't see this to be true because I personally have broken into multiple quote unquote saturated photography markets and also coaching markets. So I have not seen this to be an issue. But Todd, what's your experience? Have you ever worried about market saturation being an elopement videographer? No. Oh, good. I'm glad. (laughs) No. Uh, At the time when I got into elopement videography, there weren't many people that weren't specifically in that niche. Mm-hmm. And so I was a little bit, I was on the kind of the early train on it. It's definitely a much less competitive market than elopement photography. Yeah. And markets can certainly be competitive with a lot of people in there, but that doesn't mean it's saturated. Saturated really means that there's like, there's too many people to make a profit. So I actually was looking up like, okay, what are some examples of market saturation actually happening? And I found a few which were interesting. And it just furthers my my example of market saturation not being real right now. So we'll get into that. But so yeah, so one of the examples was the film camera industry reached market saturation. And that was because in the 90s and early 2000s, digital cameras came on the scene and everybody was buying digital cameras. So the demand for film cameras dropped extremely. (laughs) And essentially, they weren't selling and they weren't profitable. So there was a huge decline in the profits. There was a huge decline in how many people wanted film cameras. And a lot of companies went out of business. And that was an example of market saturation actually occurring. And you can see that it didn't just happen out of nowhere or because too many people were creating film cameras. It was because digital cameras came onto the scene, which I found interesting. The next example of market saturation that I found was the CD industry. (laughs) It's all this 90s stuff, which is really up my alley. (laughs) So the music CD industry also experienced market saturation as the popularity of digital music downloads and streaming services came around. So everybody was using Spotify or Pandora or whatever and kind of moved on to that. So nobody's buying CDs. Like, I can't remember the last time I bought a CD. Can you? 
No. Yeah. I don't have a, we don't have a way to play a CD. Yeah. I don't even know what they look like anymore. I know my brother won't participate in the whole streaming stuff. But for the vast majority of the world, everybody moved on to streaming services, stopped buying CDs, and that led to a decline in profits for the CD manufacturers and distributors and all that stuff, and people went out of business. Again, it's an example of not too many players in the CD industry, but something else coming along that people started participating in. And then the third example is the Yellow Pages. Because <laughs> when Google and Yelp came on the scene, the Yellow Pages industry, because apparently it was a whole industry, there wasn't just like one Yellow Pages. Okay. Yeah, it reached true market saturation. And a lot of the publishers went out of business or changed their focus to digital products because there was Google, Yelp, and all these digital ways to get your information instead of flipping through Yellow Pages. Do you remember flipping through Yellow Pages? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I would look up my friends in the White Pages yep. back in the day. We're aging ourselves. But yeah, yeah that was just like normal. Yeah. Or calling 411. I don't think I ever did that. You never did that? I would call 411 and be like, can I have the number for, I don't know, Domino's on this street or whatever? Yeah. Good times. Good times. So again, it's not because there were too many yellow page publishers. It was because something new came in and disrupted their industry. And like the whole industry kind of went under, essentially. So I thought that that was very interesting because it's just more examples of why market saturation doesn't exist. My other example that I use a lot is like coffee shops. Like why would anybody open a coffee shop when there's Starbucks on like literally every corner in the grocery store, all that kind of stuff. And really what it comes down to is these other coffee shops, these like mom and pop shops, they're unique. They provide a unique experience. They have different coffee. Maybe they have some gluten-free baked goods, some cool murals on the wall, some comfy chairs to like work from or something like that. I mean, there's so many reasons that like when, when we want to go to a coffee shop, we go to a cute one, not to Starbucks, <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's a different experience. Yeah, it's just a totally different experience and they get plenty of business. And even one of my favorite coffee shops in Denver, they charge like five or six bucks just for like a cup of like black coffee. But I'll go there anytime I'm in Denver because they pay their baristas like 40 grand a year and they just align with my values. And I just love that they pay a living wage. And yeah, they have like gender neutral bathrooms and all that kind of stuff. And I just love it. So I'm like, yeah, I'll go there and buy a five or six dollar coffee when I could. Well, I guess Starbucks is kind of that expensive anyway. But yeah, I mean, there's so many reasons why people should still open up coffee shops, even though there's Starbucks, even though there's Pete's coffee and tea or whatever. What are some other ones? Dutch Bros. Duncan. Dunkin' Donuts. Yeah. I mean, there's so many reasons because people want experiences. They want originality. They want to support local businesses or they connect with the values or the branding or something like that. So there's a lot of examples of why market saturation is not a thing. And really what it comes down to is being able to stand out even if the market is crowded. And lots of cool markets are quote unquote crowded. I mean, breweries, just restaurants in general, yoga. Like I remember going to a business conference years ago and they're kind of teaching about, about this topic and how a lawyer wanted to become a yoga instructor. And she finally had the chance to start her own 
yoga class. And it could have just been another hot yoga or vinyasa yoga and just like kind of faded into all the other same classes you could sign up for. Like if somebody's like, oh, I want yoga near me, and it's just like hot yoga, hot yoga, hot yoga, vinyasa yoga, if it's just all the same thing over and over and over again, how do you pick which class you want to go to? So she did yoga for lawyers, and it was all about stress relief and, you know, helping back pain and all that kind of stuff. And it filled up immediately because she knew how to stand out in a crowded market and basically market herself to a very specific audience instead of everybody. So that's how you get to kind of stand out in a market that's crowded, not saturated, but you kind of have to position yourself as something unique within that market. Yeah, like it's all these different things that are crowded. It is going to be a lot of work, right? To make yourself stand out, to make, Mm -hmm. get those first couple clients, to get word of mouth, to get testimonials, to build that momentum. It's going to be a lot of work. So is it worth it? Yeah. Well, and building a unique coffee shop is one thing because you have to be like, okay, how do I make this coffee stand out. What can I do for people that will want this coffee and this workspace and all that kind of stuff? And so you really have to like figure that out. Or if it's like a burger restaurant or something like that, you know, it's like, how do I change up my colors and my burgers and my offerings and my menu to stand out when there's so many burger restaurants, right? The cool thing about the work that I do is for photography, for coaching, I don't have to do any of that stuff because I just get to be myself and I'm a unique person. There's like, what, one in a trillion chance that I was ever going to exist on this earth or whatever. So just my existence makes me super unique. And it took me a while to figure out who I was in these industries because coming from veterinary medicine, I was basically a doctor robot. You know, I had a completely different tone of voice, mannerisms all those things. Like I had a little fake persona as a doctor. So when I needed to figure out who I am and how do I stand out and how do I be unique in this, in this industry, it was hard. It was a journey of self-discovery, like I always say, (laughs) but I just get to be me. That's my unique value proposition, essentially to stand out in a industry or a niche or a crowded market, you want to have a unique value proposition. And that's for us, that's just us being us and our personalities. That's why we don't want to be perfect. You know, that's why we want to show our vulnerabilities and show who we are and our values. That's why I don't worry when I post really political stuff, you know, because it is who I am. And I think It's a little scarier at first, but it's ultimately easier to just be yourself in the online space than to try to create something or a brand to push a product like coffee or jewelry or shoes or something like that. You have to create this whole persona for those kinds of brands. But for me, I just get to be myself and people either like me or they don't. If they don't like me, they move on. And that's called being polarizing, which is totally great in marketing because you want the people who love you to love you and really love you. And you want the people who don't like you to just like go away. (laughs) 
So if you're not polarizing in some way, if you're just talking to everybody instead of a specific subset of the population, then yeah, you're going to be boring and you're not going to stand out. Or people will judge you just on your prices because you haven't given them anything else to judge you on. But if you share your personality, share your values, share your quirks, share your eccentricities, whatever unique skills you have that you brought from a past experience or job set. I mean, those are all the things that create a very strong brand identity, including even just like fonts and colors. Like if you look at my brand, it's crazy, but it's me. (laughs) You know, it's not boring. And it's really cool to be able to just tap into who you are and use that. But it's scary, but it's ultimately easier, I think, to just put yourself out there, right? You, I feel like you struggle with that a little bit. I do struggle with that, I think, still. Similar to you, I came from a career that was like very robot-y, mm-hmm. where I had to speak a certain way, write emails a certain way to fit in with my engineering crowd and to be professional and be very serious, and leaving that space into a more intimate, more personal space with elopements, yeah, it was kind of, well, it still is hard because I'm the introvert that likes to crunch numbers and putting on a smile and like becoming friends with people isn't my strong suit, at least right off the bat. But it's definitely been a fun place to like kind of grow into. Uncomfortable for sure. But I think that I've made some progress. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I mean, it's, a work in progress for a lot of people trying to figure out who they are and how to stand out. And I think that it's also comforting for me to know that unlike the CD industry and film cameras, although a lot of us photographers still love film cameras, but that doesn't mean they're like popular (laughs) film camera industry and yellow pages and stuff like that. Like they, those industries basically kind of imploded on themselves because of this new thing that came out. Whereas the elopement photography industry is growing. As more photographers enter the market, so do more couples. And so does the knowledge of it even existing. I mean, COVID did a great thing for for elopements because it's still not a very well-known niche. Like when I tell people I'm an elopement photographer, they have no idea what that is. And I have to explain that I travel to national parks and beautiful places and help couples get married in nature and blah, blah, blah. And I photograph it and Todd videos it. And they just like have no idea that that's even a thing. But it's starting to become more well-known and more mainstream. So even though it seems crowded, it's growing. And so is online coaching. That industry is growing and continues to grow each year with no signs of slowing, like digital marketing and like online marketing and social media marketing, all those industries are growing. Pretty much anything in online is growing. So as more people enter the space, more people also become aware of it. And that's the freaking cool thing. Like if there was one brewery in Albuquerque, cool. Maybe it would get all the the action or the patrons or whatever. But because there's a big brewery scene here, you can hop to all of them. And it's just like the thing that people do here on like at night is they go to breweries. So it's not like a new brewery entering the scene is screwing everything up. Yeah. I mean, like not every brewery is for everyone. Like we have our favorites, Mm -hmm. which may not be other people's favorites, right? Mm -hmm. Depending on demographic, location, all these different reasons, vibes. So we choose the ones that we like, but there's 
yeah. lots of them. And if they're not good, it's going to fall off. So yeah, you have to have a quality product and a good vibe and a good establishment. Yeah. But there's lots of room for them. Like there's probably dozens in Albuquerque and Albuquerque is not even that big of a town, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I think what there's like a word I'm trying to think of. Like if somebody in Michigan decides that they're going to be an elopement photographer and sets up a page and all this stuff. Now Michigan people are finding out about elopements. Oh, awareness. It just <laughs> <laughs> it just increases the awareness, you know, which just makes the pie bigger. So as more people are entering a market, you think that there's like a, a certain number of pieces of the pie, right? And that somebody else is going to get your slice of pie because it's just so saturated and there's just too many people. But really what's happening with more and more awareness is that the pie continues to get bigger. So more slices of the pie appear or each slice is getting bigger and like more people coming in doesn't affect your slice of the pie whatsoever. And if anything, it's just creating a better industry and experience for everyone because a little competition is good. To like provide the best experience, have like amazing Google reviews, amazing photos or coaching results or beer, you know, like if it's just one person out there, they could have shitty beer. <laughs> now a little competition is kind of good. But yeah, it brings more awareness. As more people enter an industry, there's just more awareness for it, which then makes the industry grow. So, so many of these quote unquote saturated markets that so many people are afraid of, like, I can't get into photography because too many people are doing that. I can't get into coaching because too many people are doing that. I want to be a social media manager, but too many people are doing that. It's just not true. There is a place for you because it's growing. You're going to create awareness in who you are, the way you do things. It's going to be unique to everybody else. You're going to attract your people. I mean, you really in the grand scheme of things, only need 20 or 30 people to really be attracted to your vibe and want to work with you, no matter what online industry it is. And you can make multiple six figures from those 20 to 30 people. You can't tell me there isn't 20 to 30 people out there that you can make some money from. It's just, you can't tell me that. (laughs) So... A few of the things that you can do to help yourself stand out in a crowded or competitive market would be, well, there's so many things. Which one should I start with? Just like your branding, I guess. Like if you have unique branding when it comes to colors, fonts, all that kind of stuff, like that could attract and that could be polarizing. So you could attract the right people and push away. Like if I see somebody who has really pink, bubbly, feminine branding, that's not really my thing. But if it's like got Southwest vibes and like a neutral to jewel-toned color palette, I'm attracted to that. And Todd's looking at me like I'm crazy, but you girls know what I'm talking about. (laughs) So your branding, but also like, again, your unique value proposition. So what you're bringing to this industry that is different from everybody else So one of the things in photography that I broadcast, even though a lot of people do this, is the fact that I give my clients sneak peek photos of their elopement within 24 hours. There's a lot of people who do that, but I talk about it like I'm the only person in the world that does it. So there's things like that, that you're not reinventing the wheel, but it's the unique thing that you offer and you make sure to talk about it. Another thing 
besides just your personality and just how unique you are as a person or an artist or a teacher or whatever it is, is also your pricing. So you can separate yourself from the industry by pricing yourself really high. (laughs) So I know a lot of people want to just like sit in the middle with pricing, but that's where all the competition is. So you can kind of isolate yourself from the rest of the competition by charging higher prices. You'll automatically be seen as a, not a better deal, but just like if you're priced higher, that just means you must be, you must offer a better experience or product, right? Just like how if we're going to go out to a restaurant and celebrate, and I don't know any of the names, like I can't even pronounce the names of the champagne bottles. <laughs> if we're really having a good time, we're going to pick a higher priced one because we're just going to assume that that is better, even though I don't know champagne and can't pronounce any of the names, right? So there's that automatic kind of association with higher priced things as a better product. So that's one way that you can actually escape some of the competition. But a lot of people are scared to do that. A lot of people will actually do the opposite and try to charge less. But then people see you as less than. You don't want to like be Walmart, you know? (laughs) You don't want to compete down on the bottom with Walmart and Family Dollar and stuff like that. So you can set yourself apart by your prices. You can set yourself apart by the products and services that you provide with your testimonials, with your vibe. There's so many ways to differentiate yourself from other people in your niche or industry. And it might take practice and it might be scary. And again, it's probably outside of your comfort zone because we all have been taught since an early age to be little perfect robots. (laughs) And now I want you to like show off all the things that are kind of scary to show off that you've probably been hiding. But that's a great way to stand out in a crowded market. Can you think of any other things that... I didn't mention. I think probably the only thing is just to like really niche down and do one thing or do a very few number of things, but do them extremely well. Yeah, that is such a good point. And I've forgotten that I often tell people, yeah, that either the riches are in the niches or if you're talking to everyone, you're talking to no one. Like I'm a coach for elopement photographers. Like how weirdly niche is that, right? But it's true. Like if if you want to elope and you go to a website and there are newborns and maternity photos on there and like senior portraits, you're going to be like, this person is not for me. So when you talk to everyone, you talk to no one. It is way better to have people go to your website and be like, this is not for me or holy crap, this is definitely for me. This person is for me. I can tell right away. They say that they're from this place and that's where I'm from, or they donate to these causes, or they value these things, or this is important to them, or they own a pit bull. I've had somebody connect with me because I wore turquoise jewelry. So you want to be very like specific to who you're talking to. Because yeah, if you're talking to everyone, you're talking to no one. And then there's this other quote that I heard that was like, the man who chases two rabbits catches none which I also is like a fun visual (laughs) because you can just picture yourself. You're like trying to go after newborns. You're trying to go after maternity, seniors. And this is photography talk, right? You're going after all these things and you're just like running around a field like a crazy person. And then here's somebody else who is going after this one specific rabbit and they're hunting it down and getting it. So you have to 
You have to identify who that rabbit is. <laughs> go get it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I could go I could go on a tangent all about identifying your target market and creating your marketing message and talking about marketing channels, but I'm going to save that for another day cuz today I really just wanted to focus on busting the myth that market saturation is ever a thing. I don't want you to ever use that as an excuse to not go after your dreams because there is a little slice of pie waiting for you in that industry, in that niche that you're afraid is too crowded, but there's a space for you. And not only have I broken into multiple saturated markets, I help people break into, and and I should say crowded markets now, crowded and competitive markets. I help people break into them every freaking day. And sometimes those are the best markets to go after because they're already established and there's a need for them. There's a want for them. You know, like everyone wants to elope in Colorado. Not as many people want to elope in Nebraska. (laughs) So sometimes when it's a crowded market, that could be the best place for you to plant your flag and go after it. So hopefully I helped or we helped kind of disprove this myth of market saturation. I don't want you guys to worry about it. If you're marketing yourself appropriately, you can bust into any crowded market that you want. And yeah, hopefully this makes you feel a little bit better about finding your own uniqueness and using that as the way to stand out in your niche. And our next episode is going to kind of go off topic, (laughs) but I'm really excited So our next episode is going to be all about manifestation and the science behind it, because I talk a lot about how you have to take action in order to be a good entrepreneur or business owner. And manifestation is kind of turning your thoughts to emotions, to actions. And it's a big buzzword right now. And I want to, I just want to talk about it and how there is science behind it, because I'm science oriented. Todd here is very sciencey. He's not very woo wooey. <laughs> but we're going to go woo wooey. But we're going to get a little woo woo, but we're going to bring some science into it. So I can't wait. And we will see you next week. Thanks so much for joining us on this episode of Stoked with Megan McPhail. If you enjoyed the show and you'd like to help support the podcast, please subscribe, leave a review, and tell a friend. If you're looking for more inspiring content, check us out on Instagram at Stoked with Megan McPhail. And to learn more about my business coaching and how I can personally help you quit your nine to five, visit my website at meganmcphail.com. I hope this leaves you feeling stoked. See you next week.